0: Hola, everybody. Welcome to the Chats with Yvonne podcast with me, your host, Yvonne Armenta, where I talk about public speaking con cultura. In today's episode, titled Changing What Academia Looks, Feels, and Sounds Like, we're talking with Jennifer Cabrera about how she's doing just that with her platform, Academic Latina. We'll hear about her upbringing, how her sense of community started at home, and we'll get a behind-the-scenes into one of her recent speaking engagements. Primero, antes que nada, les quiero introducir a mi amiga Jennifer Cabrera, a.k.a. Academic Latina. She is a first-generation Latina and proud daughter of immigrants from Sinaloa, Mexico. She is currently enrolled in a sociology Ph.D. program where she is pursuing her doctorate degree with an emphasis in Chicano-Latino studies. As a researcher, she studies the supportive social relationships and academic achievement of Latinas in doctoral programs. To increase the number of Latinas with doctorates, Jennifer founded Academic Latina, a social media platform that supports Latinas in higher education. Since launching Academic Latina in 2020, her authenticity has been reflected through her inclusive support and guidance to over 30,000 Latinas virtually through Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and in-person through one-on-one mentorship, academic coaching, and scholarship opportunities. In addition to the free and low-cost resources, she is a dedicated first-generation faculty leading a course at the California State University and University of California that guides underrepresented students to prepare and submit competitive graduate school applications. Jennifer is a bold and passionate changemaker committed to uplifting the Latinx community through education. But how did Jennifer decide that pursuing her PhD was something that she wanted to do? Jennifer will walk us through how she was able to find her place in academia after struggling to feel connected to her work.
1: So I wanted to be an English teacher, right? And then that changed. And I went to child development. And then in child development, I was like, you know what? I've always kind of wanted to be a preschool teacher too. <laughs> so I was like, let me just give it a shot. I hated it, Yvonne. I hated it absolutely. I hated, <laughs> I hated being in a room with kids that all they did was eat, sleep, and play. And eat, sleep, and play. And I was like, <laughs> when are you going to talk to me? <laughs> when are you going to tell me about your life? <laughs> so I was just bored out of my mind. Um, and I was like, yeah, the preschoolers and kindergarteners are not for me. And so I started looking into like being a research assistant and a teaching assistant for like undergrads, right? While well, I was an undergrad myself. And then I took up a, a position as a, student, as a student assistant in the department. And I became super involved with the faculty. I was like proctoring their exams. I was assisting in their like class accommodations, whatever. I was like a peer advisor for, for my undergrad peers. And it was just like this spark of like helping others and guiding them and, and, and you know, mentorship. And so I really liked that. And then I was like, okay, I'll be a professor. Like, that sounds pretty cool. And then I didn't know about grad school at all. And during my senior year, my department chair, he was like, hey, what grad programs are you applying to this quarter? And I was like, what? Like, (laughs) Like, I'm getting my bachelor's and I'm going to teach. Like, that's what I'm doing. (laughs) And he was like, no, like, you need to get a master's or, or a doctorate. And I was like, what the heck? So then he introduced the idea to me. It was way too late that it was already like the fall time for you know, application season. And so I tried. I still tried. I took my GRE super last minute. did terrible in the math part, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a five out of, no, like a six out of six or five out of five on my essay. <laughs> but the math part, I was like in the trenches. Um, and so I applied to one program that like my mentors in undergrad recommended I apply to. They had been a grad students at. And they waitlisted me and they were like, yeah, no, better luck like, next time. So then I took that gap year and I still wanted to go to grad school because that's what my, my department chair told me, right? So to be a professor, you have to go to grad school. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm still going to do it. So I took a gap year. I was still like in school, keeping myself busy in that school m- mindset, had a community college. And then I took stats classes because I heard that PhDs were like stats focused. And so I was like, I have to do this because I did terrible in undergrad in stats. And um. I did that. I prepared. I applied again. I got into my program. And when I got into my program, when I I applied to PhDs, they were like, you have to frame your your application to fit somebody at that program, like a a faculty, right? Their research. And I was like, okay, well, I don't really know what I want to research yet. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, what about like the faculty in undergrad? Like what did they do? Because I volunteered in some research labs and they were all focused on like social media and adolescents, and like how social media affected like the self-esteem or, or you know of adolescents. and I was like oh I could do that and so luckily the faculty that I, that I started working with for my education PhD program she she did, she did that kind of work which was great at the time but then once I entered the program and I started doing more research in that I was like this is like not for me like I just the and me we don't get along so <laughs> I was like I don't want to do this um and then the program was getting really hard because it was very quant it was very stats focused so a lot of the classes that i had take were on statistics and i was just like i don't understand like i swear if it wasn't for my peers that i that i started the program with um de Latinas, i would have like quit the first year because i would just cry at home okay because i didn't understand anything i would sometimes get up from class in the middle of stats class go to the restroom and cry. Because I was like, why is everybody nodding in there? And I have no idea what is going on. Yeah. And I really wanted to leave, right? I wanted to leave my program and I took I took a class with a with a Latina PhD, with a Latina professor. And I told her how I felt and she was like, maybe it's just the research method. Like maybe that's just not for you. And I was like, well, what else is there? Like, what can I do? And she was like, what about like this other methodology that involves like interviews and focus groups and talking to people? And I was like, okay, like I could do that. And she was like, perfect, like, what kind of project do you want to work on? And I was like, I don't know, like, maybe interviewing Latinas in doctoral programs. And she was like, okay. And I was like, bet. So then I, I recruited Latinas. I interviewed 25 Latinas. And I, like, fell in love with it. Like, it was a very, like, it was an experience where they were all across the U.S., right, in, in EDDs um, and PhDs and Masters and they were just talking about their experiences we were talking about like our families and they would say something and be like oh my god yes me too or they would cry and i'd be crying too um and it was just like that connection like that relevance to them that were like between us that really like kept me going in grad school now that program didn't end up working out for me i still left and started a new one um but the research has 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 stayed with me so the research is still what i do i still interview latinas I still am very passionate to to study the experiences of Latinas. And I think that it just, it, it might be like a strong drive for me because I am a Latina. And like, I can see that through the interviews. Like when you're talking to me, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense.
0: Jennifer describes being able to find a passion and deep interest through feeling represented. And really what she found was that there was a lack of belonging. And this is how she started Academic Latina.
1: So it was in 2019 and I was interviewing these Latinas and I recruited them from a Facebook group, um, Facebook group that is a private Facebook group and, and really um, targeting Latinas and doctoral programs. And so I that's why I was recruiting them from. And so part of the questions at the end of the interview were, well, how did you come to this Facebook group and why are you here and what do you get out of it? And everything that they would tell me was like a sense of community, right? Like a sisterhood, some mentorship, some networking, some guidance, both academic and personal, um, relevance, and really just like that cultural validation, that cultural understanding, that cultural, um, just like feeling like you fit in. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, interesting. And so at the time, there was no Instagram pages that did that. And that was in 2019. And I remember the only page that I found was Valerie, Salatina so Latina grad guide. And I was, like, fascinated, right? And I think um, if you would, like, to put our pages next to each other, we always talk about it. Like, me and Valerie are, like, super close friends now. And we always talk about how she's a more, like, factual, never-shows-her-face type of girl. And I'm the more, like, this is my life. And I am going to go to my nails. And I'm going to go to Pilates. And I'm going to go to Mexico. And I'm going to do this with my family. And it's just, like, I felt like that was needed in order to see, like, yes, there's this percentage of Latinas in, in doctoral programs or receiving their degree but like what are they doing and how are they doing it because education is still like a shitty academic system Mm -hmm. and like you know there could be racism and microaggressions and and you know you, you don't feel like you belong or you're not welcome but I felt like putting this platform together where I would show them how to be a person or being a doctoral student would give them a sense of like peace and a sense of like I could do that and it's not all formal because if you Google search a doctoral student, they're very formal. <laughs> like there's not going to be a picture of me. I'll tell you that much. Um, but it's just like having that connection with them. And, and and I think that's what I get through like the feedback through, through the engagement of, of everybody on Academic Latina with comments, with DMs, with, you know, anything like they're always like, thank you so much for this page. Like you've inspired me, you've motivated me, you're encouraged me. Um, Like I I applied to grad school because of you. I created an academic Instagram because of you. Um, So it's just like really encouraging them in that sense as a Latina, as a first generation woman more than anything.
0: And we went right into one of my favorite questions, if not my most favorite question, learning about Jennifer's first time public speaking. When I asked her to think back on her earliest memory, she mentioned that she couldn't think of the first time because she felt like she has been public speaking for years in the classroom. She's never really felt nervous or intimidated by it and admits to getting nervous, but not to the point of shying away from it.
1: I had a public speaking class. I think that's what it was. It was a communications class. I don't know what the title was, but anyway, it was a communication class. We're talking about public speaking, and I was in this class, and... We were doing breathing exercises, okay, because we were gonna present some like smosh spiel. we were doing breathing exercises, so the professor was like, "Okay, everybody, like stand up and you know, like lift your arms, and, like take a deep breath." Mm-hmm. Yvonne, I passed out. It was so weird. Like I've never mm-hmm. felt that before. So she, we were basically just breathing, and I just remember like feeling a little bit like lightheaded. And next thing you know, I like it's so weird too because the seats were like the individual seats that you kind of like go into. So I somehow managed to like fall into my seat and that's when I just like completely like fainted and the professor was like okay class like we're just starting class okay. She was like can everybody please leave the room and then she called the paramedics and then when I woke up she was like in my face and she was like are you okay like what's what happened and I was like what like you tell me what happened. She was like you fell and I was like oh my god. So I think because I didn't realize what had happened like I just kind of entered a panic mode. And so I was like crying and I was like, oh my God, like, what is this? And it never happened to me before. And then the paramedics got here, like the ambulance and they're like, they brought like a whole bed and everything. And I was like, whoa, 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 we're going to relax. And then the, I remember the paramedic was like, hey, um, like, how do you feel? Like, what happened? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I didn't feel nervous. I didn't feel anxious. Like, I just felt lightheaded out of nowhere.
0: That is truly one of the crazier stories I've heard in a while. Jennifer says her professor asked her to open her public speaking book to a random page and asked her to read it to him to make sure she was okay. And she's not sure how the incident happened, but we chatted about the fact that maybe it was a lack of eating, a lack of sleep. All of these things can impact you, especially as an undergrad, right? There's a lot of pressure to do a lot of things. Even when she wasn't nervous about the actual speaking, Her body literally shut down over things that were external to the actual presentation. So when there are other things in your life happening, the pressures of even the smallest of things can also be heightened, which is why it's so important to take care of yourself, especially if you're an introvert. Have a pre-presentation self-care plan, a post-presentation self-care plan for anybody. It's truly important because it does take a lot from you. And with all of that, with that experience in mind and the fact that Jennifer doesn't necessarily get super nervous about speaking, I wondered, does she
1: like public speaking? When I think of public speaking, I think of like in the classroom and in front of classrooms and like teaching as an instructor, She as a part-time instructor or like guest lecturing for these like, you know, $100, $200, $200, 200 student classrooms. Um, and so I think that when I'm there... Granted, like I need another topic. I don't to know what I'm talking about. But I, I think I, I get pretty comfortable. And I think my issue, Yvonne, is not is perhaps not the public speaking, like the the get up there and speak. My issue is that I get too comfortable too quick. And I, I've seen that in class too, when I'm presenting to my students and I'm giving a lecture and you know, I'll steer away and like bring in a personal example. And I'm just like laughing and like joking with them and they go along with it. But I'm like, okay, that was probably not professional of me. You know, I think that that's, that's, that's what gets me to like keep going, like to, to bring myself into it and, and give that like part of myself.
0: And what Jennifer is saying here speaks to her authenticity. That's what keeps her engaged with public speaking. That's why she likes it. Because despite what others may deem as her quote, getting too comfortable, or maybe not being how other professors traditionally present, she's making it work for her. And that's what it's about. When she's able to lean into the authentic connection to self, she can be a better communicator and educator for her students. And if you've ever met or you follow Academic Latina on Instagram, you know that Jennifer is a proud Sinaloense. Sometimes as a first gen, it's hard to show up so authentically because We work so hard to fit this mold. And Jennifer shares that her pride for her culture has always been there, but that she hasn't always been comfortable sharing it in the spaces she's in as an academic. So this story starts from as young as eight months old. Trips to Sinaloa where she was able to cultivate special bonds with her family and understand the power of community and she recalls how important her grandparents were in her upbringing because she spent so much time with them.
1: Mexico has just been a really strong part of my identity um, because I, I just spent so much time there.
0: Jennifer has memories of her life when her grandpa would wake up from their naps and go to work. Her grandma would do her hair, make her breakfast, helped her pack her school bag, took her to school, until one day in the sixth grade, her grandmother said
1: like i'm tired of the u.s i'm going back to mexico (laughs) so Mm -hmm. she ended up leaving um which was extremely heartbreaking like i would cry about it all the time um i cried about it for i still do when i leave in december when i leave her house and i say goodbye like the whole freaking like first 30 minutes of the drive away i'm just crying because i'm Mm -hmm. like why is this like this
0: jennifer expresses that she knows her grandma is much happier there in mexico con su familia Her grandma was a costurera, sold tamales. She knew the neighborhood. Jennifer recalls the platanos fritos, love created in the kitchen. She rented a four-bedroom house, and everyone who came from the rancho would stay there with her. Jennifer called them tios and family friends because she saw them so often. At any given point, Jennifer's abuelita was helping anyone and everyone that she could. This is where Jennifer learned about community.
1: It just it just made me so proud of like one being her granddaughter, but two being part of like that community, right? And like that sense of like comfort and um like support and encouragement and, and guidance and um it just really like motivated me to to you know to pursue education, to get a career, to to be independent, to um really like prove to my parents and to my grandparents like your hard work is like paying off through me, you know? Like now when you talk about like have I always been able to like express that while it's always been like a part of me and I've always been really proud of it. I think that in middle school, um, because it was like well being popular and being the cool kid, like I was really shy. Like I was like a scrawny, skinny girl. <laughs> um and so I just couldn't be popular, right? I was like, yeah, I'm not one of those girls. Um so I was just like very to myself, mind you. I would uh, Jordy last time at all the time, but I used to carry my like CD player, my big old CD player with like Chalino <laughs> Sanchez, um, like blasting during PE. Like I was just listening to corridos, okay, while everybody was like running their miles. Wait, with a CD um, player? Yeah, in my like yes. in my like red LaUSD sweatpants for like PE <laughs> with a big old CD player, okay. Um, and then it wasn't until high school that I started just like being more open about it and like listening to music and like posting it on my social media, or like on MySpace, like I would put like Spanish music. I've always been like, I don't, I don't really know English music or like English actors for that matter. Like if you, if you ask me about a singer that sings English music, I'm like, I don't know who that is. Like, I don't know what they sing, but ask me about like Adam Sanchez, Chalima Sanchez, like a bunch of like corrido people. And I'm like, yes, like I know them. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad has always been like super into music. He gets home, takes his shoes off in the kitchen and like blasts the speaker with Spanish music. Um, So it's always been like a part of me. And I do that, too. Like the YouTube is like paused right now from earlier. Um, But I just blast music as I'm eating or or cooking or cleaning or showering, whatever it is that I'm doing at home. Um, So, yeah, my culture is like a really important part of of who I am.
0: You can tell that Jennifer has these beautiful memories in Mexico with her family, and they're a part of who she is in ways that have strengthened her academic life. They've afforded her a perspective that positions her in the exact place she is now, being able to support other Latinas pursuing higher education. And maybe this is something that we can all relate to. Pulling from the women in our lives, the men who have had a great impact on us, our communities as a way to strengthen how we show up on stage.
1: There's been times in classes when I'm teaching and like, um, you know, students will be like, maybe not in class, but they'll ask for like a deadline to be extended, right? And I'm like, of course, like, yes, like, let's do that. Um, And then they ask for it again and again and again. And I'm like, okay, we're going to have to like put an end to this, you know? And I feel like they're not used to that because I'm always like, the, the more like my grandma, like, yes, let me help you, let me guide you, let me take you step by step to get through this to this spot, you know, to this assignment. And so I feel like I go back and forth between the two. And I think that when I'm when I'm when I'm up or lecturing, right, public speaking, I think that I always try my best to take the approach of my grandma, like the more empathetic, if you will, like very um, you know, understanding and and cooperative, I guess, tone to my voice. Um but there are times when, and I think I take the approach more when it's like through email, when I'm like, absolutely not. We are not dealing with this anymore, you know? Um, like setting my foot down. I think that I do that better on paper than in person. And that's also because, um, I talked about this on Instagram before, but I get really rashy when I'm anxious, like my neck. So I wear turtlenecks a lot in my way in room right now, but I get really <laughs> rashy when I get nervous. So if I'm put in a situation where like my body is like, physically getting like tense or like hot because you know I'm like upset about something you can immediately tell because my whole neck and my chest turn red and then people are like what is happening to you why are you turning red um so it's like it's inevitable for people to know that there's like some kind of body change going on with me um when I do get upset and so I that's why I try I think to take the approach of like okay let me just be calm and be zen about this, uh, to avoid that rash more than anything.
0: We often think that public speaking is something that is far away, that we have to one day get to once we've acquired the skills for it, without realizing that we already went to the school of public speaking and powerful storytelling. It's the mujeres in our families. And there's so much more power in that, in approaching our communication with the world, knowing that we have a strong link to those that came before us, once we know that information and leverage it, no one can take that away from us. And Jennifer will often share her experience as a professora. So I wanted to ask about how she prepares for speaking to her students, which depending on the day might look different. When she first started holding classes, she had to commute an hour or more to make it to class. And that naturally played a huge role in how she mentally prepared.
1: I could be as prepared as I wanted, you know, like a week, two weeks ahead, my lectures, are ready, my PowerPoints are ready, my notes are ready. But then if I like have a bad day on my way there, I'm like, this is like, I'm going back home, you know, like I'm canceling class. Um, So the in-person part was really difficult in that sense, um, because it had that like commuting part to it that I just, I just really disliked. Um, But luckily, I was encouraged by my loved ones who would always see me stressed <laughs> to like advocate for myself. And I was like, I can't do in-person anymore. Like, you want me to teach? make it online. Um, so luckily like my department chair was, you know, flexible. They worked with the dean. They like got the, the class to be approved as an online class. And I've been teaching it online ever since. Um, and it's it's been much better.
0: And once she was able to get the class to be virtual, that brought in its own set of challenges. Now though, she's able to teach from campus out of her very own office.
1: So the way I do it is I, I usually spend, so I've taught this class a few times, but Every time that I am prepping for, for the week, I go back to my like old PowerPoints. I kind of like see what has changed, what, can, what I can update. I always keep notes on the side. So I either present with Canva or Canva. I only use Canva. Um, I don't really use PowerPoint, but it's basically the same structure, right? Like the notes are on the side and I'm like reading. And the way I write my notes are very much like how I'm talking. Like I can put a slide with like, um, I don't know, like three theories in sociology and then like the, the three bullets, right? on the side, I'd be like, okay, like it literally says, okay, now let's talk about the three theories and sociology. And yeah, then I'll do, be like, you, do you read... add the filler
0: words in there too? Yes, I do. <laughs> Like add the word and um. Like, like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then I'll be That's like, funny. read first bullet, and then I'm like, okay, and then I read the bullet, and then I go back to my little spiel, right? Whatever it is that I'm gonna say, but it, it's very much like I'm reading everything that my brain would usually say, and I think that that helps me because I don't feel like... I don't feel like it's too formal um, when I when I am talking and presenting to the class on, on Zoom. So that that really helps me. And I don't really practice it again, because that's so comforting to me. Like it's comfortable language, it's comfortable way of talking. I don't practice it like I do it once. I run through the PowerPoints. I don't really run through my notes or like formally, you know, voice it out. Um, and the day of, I just kind of like go through it. And luckily this year, I teach the same class twice, like back to back, like five to 6.45 and then like seven to 8.15. The exact same class so if the first class goes bad i'm like okay i know what to change <laughs> i know what to change for like the 7 p.m class you know um and there's been times where like i'm like talking and i see their faces and i'm like you guys don't get it do you and they're like no can you explain it again and i'm like okay yeah and then like i'll make note of it you know like on this slide i, I like changed this or i added this um and i'll remember it for like the next hour though jennifer writes
0: out exactly how she'll speak when she's hosting her virtual classes she does have a different technique when it comes to in-person presentations. She had notes, but she mentions that she didn't do them as
1: scripted. Because I was in, in you know, I was standing and I, when I'm in the classroom and I'm talking, like, I like to walk around. And I like to, like, you know, walk around the classroom and, like, um, you know, like point at people and, and point at the board and da da da. And so I like to do that. Um, But when I'm here, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to walk around. Um, So it's easy. And I I got comfortable, um, which I don't think is great because I feel like I rely on them a little bit too much sometimes.
0: And she's right. Presenting virtually has a ton of perks, but there's also something that it's enabled us to do, which is prepare a little less or rather a little differently and be a little less concerned with how we engage our audience through movement across the room, for example. So if you're going to write a script, do it if that makes you feel confident, but maybe add one or two filler words or pauses to humanize the way you sound. And I challenge you to also run through your presentation at least once without looking at your notes because you might find that you already know a lot of what's in there. At the time when we were chatting, Jennifer had a public speaking engagement at a conference where she was presenting some of her research, and she walks us through her preparation
1: for that it happened around the same time that my dog got sick. And so I was like emotionally exhausted with that. And I had created, luckily this this conference required that the presentation, the PowerPoint be due a month ahead. So the presentation was done. The PowerPoint was done a month ahead, right? My filler words in my script, everything was done. Um, (laughs) Thank God, because I'm a procrastinator. And if I hadn't done that, I would not have had the mind or the time or the energy to like create that days before. But
0: She had been sleep deprived because her dog was sick and was dealing with the needing to care for him. When she was able to leave her dog with someone she knew he'd be okay with, she was able to get into the mindset. She celebrated her birthday and there was a lot of dancing and socializing the day before. And then the next day, she had errands that she needed to run, things like getting her nails done, getting her outfit and all the preparation that might be involved with public speaking aside from the actual speech. And what's more, She had to travel to the conference location with very little sleep. She ends up being one of the first people at the airport. And while she's so tired because she's gotten little sleep, literally two hours, viviendo su vida, as she should, the whole time she's thinking about the presentation that she's headed to give. But get this, Jennifer also had a second presentation for her dissertation and she needed to present, which she hadn't quite gotten to. She dedicated time to that before heading to her hotel room, And I don't know how she does it, because I know she doesn't drink cafecito, but she did. She makes it to her hotel room, and after what felt like a very long day, though it still was very early, she was able to spend some time looking over her conference presentation.
1: So I was working with my co-presenter, and oh my gosh, the amount of things that she wanted to add. I was like, girl, like we don't have time. Like We were presenting at 9 a.m. on Tuesday. And she was like, we should add a slide on this and we should add a slide on that. And I think you should really say this. And it was just a lot of work. We're there for like an hour and a half to two hours. Again, it was midnight, yet again, right? And so we were running through it. Like she was actually making me like talk like through it, right? To like time ourselves because we had like only 30 minutes. So we were going through it and we were like really short at first. It was like 18 minutes. And when she said that, I was like, great, perfect. We're on time. And she was like, no, talk slower. And I was like, oh God, okay, I'll talk slower. So then we did it like four or five times, right? When I'm like talking slower and as I go, I'm like adding more things and, and, you know, like pausing because she's like constantly telling me like, she'll like stop the time and she'll be like, okay, can you breathe? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm breathing. So finally, we like end the night and she's like okay, let's wake up early in the morning to like practice that again. And I'm like, perfect, we'll do that. Then I started like panicking a little bit, right? Because I was like, okay, um, like, I feel like there's gonna be a lot of people, because on Monday, people were coming up to me and like, hey, I'm gonna be on your talk tomorrow. And hey, like, I saw you on this on the schedule. So I knew people were gonna be there. And it was just like freaking me out. Um, and also it was the first time that I was presenting on that research is my dissertation research on, on like the Instagram that's as a community, right as a space of support. And so I was just like super, I started getting like really anxious. Um, and then my co-presenter, she gets asking me like, are you nervous? Are you okay? Are you good? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm like panicking right now. And then we get to the room and it's like empty. We're like 15 minutes early to set up. We grabbed some breakfast and then we were like setting up, um, the like tech people were there. And the room was like, I was getting really nervous because the room was empty and I was like, okay. So in like 10 minutes before, like two people walk in and then like another person walks in. like five people it's a really big room so I was like who gave us this room and why um it was like two rooms because the wall you could tell it was like a divider that was like had been opened and there was only a screen on the on the one side and the podium was like in the middle with like there was like some really big columns in the middle so the people on this side of the room couldn't see the screen which I was like why did you guys do it like this um so anyways, I was like, not focusing on the structure of the room, but I was like, okay, I'm going to set up my laptop. I like make sure I connected my charger because my laptop is like really old and it dies really quick. Um, so I was like, okay, like I'm good. I had like water, really cold water. is like my thing. Um, I don't drink coffee. So I had my really cold tumbler with water. And um, as people were like, like more people were coming in, I don't know. Like I just like, I would look at my and they should be like, are you okay? because I was like the main one like we were both presenting but I had like the larger chunk of it and I was like yeah I'm good and then I would just drink water and then I drink water again and then I told her I was like dude if I keep drinking water like I'm gonna pee myself so I need to stop (laughs) so then I like put the water down and I was like okay like it's fine it's fine and then people started coming in and they were like oh can we take a picture and I was like yeah um so then I was like okay like I'm gonna use this to like calm myself down um So then, I don't know, like the nerve just kind of left. And by the time I noticed it, it was time to start and the room was completely full. And I was like, okay, we're going to do this. And I had my notes and had the podium and the microphone. um, Honestly, the day before, I was like, I hope I get a mic that I can walk around the the, room with. That day we had a podium and the mic was like stuck to the podium. And I was like, thank God, I will stand here and I will (laughs) read my notes. And I do not have to walk um so I stood there and I went to the presentation and there were times when because I kept hearing my my co-presenter be like slow down like we have enough time um you know use use the time wisely and like you know talk more on this talk more on that I kept I kept hearing her in my head so there were times when I was reading the script and then something else would come to mind and then I just look I mean I was like looking up and I wasn't like straight on the screen you know, like I think I do a pretty good job of like engaging with them and like reading and like I kind of like know what I'm saying and so there were times when I would say something and then I would kind of like go on a tangent and then I like catch myself. And one of the, one of the, um, Christina, Latina's the Masters, she was in the room and she was like, I would notice that you kind of would like check yourself and you would like panic a little bit and go back to your notes. And I was like, damn, was it that obvious? Um, but apparently like, it, you know, you could kind of see that I, como que me ponen en side because I was like, oh shoot, like we're actually on time, you know, like we have to stick to, it, to a schedule. Um, but it did go really good. It. When when I would like kind of like step away from the podium and my co presenter would talk, I would um I would really casually pretend like, Oh my god, I got this and I would like walk around the room, like take pictures of the audience, like of my present and my co presenter drink some water, um, and just kinda of like stand there and like watch and like nod and then I'd go back up to the podium and you know, kinda of like do that back and forth. So that helped a lot, like kinda of like I don't know, like playing the role of like I got this, like I know what I'm doing, I am not I'm not nervous at all um And then at the end of the presentation, like we got, you know, we got more comments and questions, which I was really happy for. We got some questions, like we were able to handle those. And then we had like a big old line of people to like talk to it at the end. It was like I've never had because it's my first presentation. um But at that point, I was like, okay, like this feels good because most, mostly everybody in line were like, I follow you on Instagram. Like it's so good to meet you. Like hi. Da, 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 da. So it was it was a more like comfortable you know com- conversation to have, um and that was really nice and I talked about it on Instagram too that we ended up getting kicked out of the room, because we went over time like we were there talking with everybody and you know super into the combo and the next presenters were like coming into the room their audience was coming into the room and um yeah it was just it was a really good experience that I was you know I could still say like even though my presentation was done a month before I I felt super unprepared um and it wasn't until the night before and, and the day of that I was really practicing and and to me like being early right doing the 18 minutes when we had 30 I was like hell yeah that's good that's great that's perfect and she was like no girl you talked way too fast um so yeah it it was really good to have her and she's a more experienced she has a doctorate she's a professor and she's a much more experienced presenter so it was it was nice to have her there I can't imagine how it would have gone with me thinking like, oh, 18 minutes is fine. Like we're done, we've talked, everybody leave.
0: So what can we learn from this type of preparation? The type where you may not have a lot of time but need to make it efficient and present with a partner even. Here's some of the lessons that we can learn from Jennifer's experience. First of all, we do indeed have to practice. When you practice, practice speaking slowly, breathe. And I'll add that the feelings you're feeling during the preparation may ease when you're actually on stage. For Jennifer, she was feeling calmer after having woken up to practice early in the morning, but as she neared her actual presentation, it was a little different. These are some other things that she teaches us. Don't drink caffeine. For some people, caffeine will make you even more nervous. Don't put yourself in that situation. Drink water But don't drink too much water, but also use it as a comfort. Meet the people in the room. Jennifer had the opportunity to be in the room a little bit early and she met some of the people that would be part of the audience. That always makes me feel a little bit better. Look up and down. Even if you have a script in front of you, make sure that at some points you know where you're going to look up so that it is a little bit more engaging with the audience. It further connects you with them. Rambling can come from following your structure a little too much. We noticed that when she was reading from the script, she would come up to talk and more ideas would come to her mind. And she realized she was one, not only going off script, but she herself calls them, she would go on tangents. What could it look like if you had bulleted points, but allowed yourself to freely speak? You wouldn't feel like you're quote, rambling or going off of the script. She mentioned affirmations, even in the ways that you move your body. She talked about gaining confidence through acting like it. And sometimes that is moving around the room with confidence. That in and of itself is an affirmation. Even if you're not reciting affirmations, doing the motions with your body really allow you that freedom as well. And community. Community having someone that you can lean on and who may have more experience than you in a certain aspect of your presentation her partner really helped her through the preparation process when she maybe didn't have enough time to do it alone and her partner also had experience in presenting at a couple different conferences so she was more familiar with the space with the environment and i always say that things are better when they're done in community especially estás haciendo algo por primera vez, when you're doing something for the very first time, having someone there that maybe has done it before or has a little bit more experience or feels a little bit less nervous than you do can really be helpful and be a game changer in your experience. And the biggest takeaway is that no matter what happens, once you're in the room, you're impacting someone. You're changing their perspective. You're adding value. And the imperfections... In your process, as you may see them, can only become learning lessons and agents in your growth as a speaker. Jennifer, academic Latina, is changing what academia looks, feels, and sounds like.
1: It feels different, and I think that it goes to what I was talking about earlier of like sometimes I get too personal with my students and and. Uh, <laughs> A chunk of my students follow me on Instagram, right? And they'll be commenting, and they're like, "Yes, girl!" <laughs> and I'm like, "Thank you, Victoria. I appreciate that comment." <laughs> but sometimes I, I do feel like um I, I recognize the importance of the representation, and they tell me this. You know, my students will, will tell me, you know, same as you, like it, it's so great to have someone that looks like me, and and um and I follow you on Instagram. and I love to see your advice, and I love to see your posts, and and this and that. And I think that it's great, and and I and I love it, and I appreciate it, and I like I, I genuinely love what I do. I just think that it's at a time where nobody else does it, and because nobody else does it, or or no other professor that I know does it, it feels wrong sometimes. Like it feels wrong to have that external relationship with my students, and I really try like I try hard to like. <laughs> like their comment and I'll be like thanks girl you know like I I just I I don't know why I I mean I know why it's because nobody else has done it um and I feel like I fall into like this stigma of like no like you have to be professional and you have to draw a line and there's boundaries um and you're their professor like you're not their friend um and I think that that's something that like I'm learning to like to like work with and like kind of be more open to it and 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 really like acknowledge like it's freaking 2023 like everybody's on social media like you know my colleagues are are part-time faculty as well and and like why not like why is it so terrible for our students to see our life um obviously i i'm careful with what i post um but i think it's also important to like give them that representation through like authenticity and you brought up authenticity before and i think when i first created academic latina my goal was never to like, grow. I mean, obviously I wanted to reach, you know, target an audience, but it wasn't like to be an influencer, right? And I think that the way that I did that was through my authenticity. And I've gotten that feedback from like Estrella, for example, like she's always like told me like, Jennifer, like your videos are like, everybody relates to it. Like, look at your engagement. Like everybody loves to see your pose and everybody loves when you talk. and Everybody loves when you have story time. And I'm like, do they really? <laughs> and I think that it's because I'm so like, you know, I bring that like personal life onto on social media. And so when I give that to, when, when I give that online and, and I think about like, okay, you're a professor, like, you know, um, your students are on here. My department chair follows me on Instagram, which like, I don't really mind for him to do that because he's, he's been my mentor for, for years. Um, but I'm like always like at the back of my head, I'm like, I, I sometimes like second guess myself on posting and I hate it. Like, I genuinely hate it because I'm like, before I was so open about Catamalatina like like, I felt like I was so open like I feel like I would go on my stories all the time like close friends was the thing for me but I would really talk on my like public Instagram stories a lot more you know and then once like my students started following me and like I I, my advisor started following me then I was like okay I'm gonna use my close friends a little bit more now Um, (laughs) which I think is fine I I think it's fine to have those two um, areas of like showing myself but I do, um, I'm like, I'm like conflicted with that challenge of, of um, putting myself out there authentically, while also maintaining like that professional, um, you know, uh, identity, I guess. And I'm very, I I feel very lucky that my department chair, and my colleagues at my my, where I teach, um, they're aware of my Instagram. And they're like, I think we think it's great. Like you are doing amazing. Like our students love it. And so I appreciate that for them, and I only hope that like future institutions that I work at feel the same way.
0: Amiga, thank you so much for the time that you invested in this conversation. I cannot wait to continue watching your public speaking journey continuing and sharing your authenticity with your audience it's what brings people in what keeps them there and what makes them feel safe and supported so thank you for all of the work that you do and thank you to all of you for tuning in let us know what you think about this conversation share it with someone that you think may find it helpful and thank you so much for being here nos vemos a la próxima